What's going on guys? This week I am under the weather, I guess you could say, but it is not the coronavirus. It is severe allergies taking over and uh, you can hear me coughing all throughout this episode. But this week's episode is with two awesome guys from Missouri with Buck and Strutting Outdoors. Nick and Dustin sat down with me and, and really just explained their vision and their mission with Buck and Strutting. We had an awesome conversation. Um, talked a little bit about rules and regulations and laws to do with the, the DNR and, and different stuff like that. So you guys, please enjoy this episode and do me one huge favor. Please, 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 uh, you know, like the podcast, subscribe to it. Spotify and Apple are my two biggest platforms. Also, please leave a rating and, uh, you know, maybe give me a little bit of feedback and let me know who you'd like to hear on the podcast. Also, what you'd like to hear about it. Thanks, guys. man what is going on boys how y'all doing we're doing good awesome awesome i'm making just a little bit of notes right here man um obviously i sound under the weather but i don't have the coronavirus i promise um (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. uh hey dustin how's it going brother pretty good about you man i'm doing good i'm doing good uh nick's talked about you a little bit um, I promise uh, he only talked bad about you once out of the f- – <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, but, uh, guys, we'll get right into it. Um, you know, just – I'm sitting here. I, I'm going to go on a rant for a second, actually, real quick. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm sitting here looking at my – West. I live in West Virginia, so I'm looking at, looking at our hunting and trapping uh, regulations – um booklet and i like the more i read it the more i just get absolutely angry and my my wife's like babe like what's wrong what's going on i'm like i don't understand half of the crap that's got put in here um <laughs> when it comes to the, i'm telling you dude like i i'm i'm a pretty quick uh reader like i can read pretty fast and like you know comprehend and pick up on things um like when i read uh i like to be shown hands on with certain things but like, I do not understand half the stuff that's in here. And it almost feels like they're trying to trap you uh, and do in certain things like, you know, like they want you to mess up so they can find you or, you know, get you in trouble. And that like I and got, you know, forgive me. I don't want to I don't want to say that. And then a DNR guy hear this or, you know, may act like I'm attacking them. But it, it just feels like it just feels like uh, it's not written for the. <laughs> for the layman and I'm definitely, you know, bottom of the totem pole, you know, I'm as simple as it gets for certain things, but, uh, you know, where, where are you all from? I forgot where you told me, Nick. Uh, we're from Southwest Missouri in a little town called Ozark. That's right. That's right. Missouri. Like, do you, do you all have like little booklets or like pamphlets that the DNR puts out every year? Yeah, we'll get booklets and pamphlets the mdc they put them out we'll get them at walmart gas stations yeah just small convenience stores and like i've thought the same exact idea before it's like some rules and regulations pretty easy to follow and read and comprehend (laughs) but then other ones are just like what's the rule yeah just tell me it plain and simple because that's honestly yeah i've thought about that before it's how it feels like it feels like they're trying to trap you and second guess yourself and make it an easier cause to find you well the rule said it in the book well the rule doesn't describe it very well exactly yeah i I definitely agree with that like i'm calling i'm calling like a couple of my buddies i'm like guys i don't i don't understand and you know my buddy's like yeah me and dad don't really understand it either but you know i'm just like well (laughs) thank god i'm not the only person because like it's it and this is not the first time i felt like this because last year i was having the same issue um, and you know, I, I'm like, I don't, I want to go hunt, but I'm afraid that I'm like doing something wrong in certain, you know what I mean? Like I'm not doing anything illegal, but it's like, am I doing something illegal? You know what yeah. I mean? Like on the, like, am I, or, you know, am I good or, you know, and 
my buddy was like, well, like you got your podcast and you, you know, you got a little bit of a platform on social media. You need to do something about it. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe I do, maybe I need to like set up some kind of like communication between, you know, hunters of West Virginia and, and the DNR and, you know, and different things. And my wife told me, she said that she had, uh, seen that where there's actually like a, um, I guess you call it like a town hall meeting that the DNR has that kind of explains rules and regulations and stuff like that. Um, and I was like, man, I was like, I need to get involved with that and, and kind of do it on more of a bigger scale to help everyone, you know, learn and understand, you know, maybe have maybe have a DNR guy on the podcast or something and and kind of help. Because I know like I know if my buddies are having the problem and then, you know, you guys in Missouri, if you guys are having the same issue, you know what I mean? Being able to to, to read the regulations and be like, yep, I'm going to get arrested or fined a thousand dollars or something. So. You know, I just, it drives me insane. Like, it, it, like, I feel like it should be a lot more simple than what it, it is. Does that make sense? Like, it's like, well, if you want to kill this deer and this deer, you need this stamp and this stamp. Okay, perfect. You know what I mean? And it's just not like that. So, anyway, guys. You know, what's interesting is that <laughs> I, I don't know about, I don't know what it's like in uh, West, uh, West Virginia for the CWD and yeah what what's going on with that but here they came out with with the booklet you know a few months before deer season and that's like in my mind that's like the opening days like christmas morning absolutely that booklet is kind of like all right yeah now you're kind of making your christmas list in a way yeah but you read all these rules and regulations that are you don't really understand them and then you start seeing on social media they're putting out new regulations to go with cwd but uh, for someone who doesn't have social media or anything like that, how are they supposed to know? Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it, yeah, that, oh, that would be scary, man. Some old timer going out, you know, he got his regulations booklet, but didn't see the new, you know, whatever regulation, uh, you know, that got put out and then he ends up getting in trouble or, you know, whatever, taking right. his grandson or, you know, nephew, what have you. I mean, uh, and, and then that's what I that's what I feel like they just go, well, you should have, you know, called and asked. It was like, well, I I got the regulation book, but what else is there to ask about? You know what I mean? Yeah. That like for us, we're I mean, we're pretty we're fair we're fair chase hunters, you know. Like we yeah. we go in, we look for sign and we hunt that area. But I know a lot of old timers around where we live, you know, they'll go out and they set up mineral sites they'll wait and come back and hunt it but this last year there was nothing like you were not allowed to do anything yeah and it's like okay i, I get that but if they catch somebody doing that it's like dude it doesn't say anything about this in the booklet yeah all right yeah here's a fat fine to go with that and plus wow, too i feel something that encouraged you know still the use of that kind of stuff i feel like if the <laughs> conservation or whatever organization whatever it is that corresponds to the hunting in you know a specific area it's like yeah us the missouri department of conservation we had all these new counties for the chronic wasting disease and you weren't allowed to put out mineral or any sort of edible attractant that multiple deer could consume and share yeah yeah in local stores i mean here in christian county walmart in Ozark, Walmart, Nixa, a couple of different farm stores around here, they still all carried that stuff. And Absolutely. I honestly figured that the Missouri Department of Conservation or anyone would be like, well, you have to quit selling this because now we're in a chronic wasting disease county. And I almost yeah. like they yeah. kept it under the radar so that way they could just catch and bust people off of it. But that, yeah. See, that's, I agree with that because you're not the first person that said that. I, that, I can't remember what other state, but I was talking to somebody and they said the same exact thing that I think it was like Royal King was still selling it or something. And, you know, but they're like, you're not allowed to do baiting or, you know, attracting or anything like that because mm-hmm. of what's going on. Yeah, that's yeah, that's it's frustrating. Well, guys, welcome back to the Nomad Project podcast. Your host, Seth Porter, a.k.a. The Bearded Nomad. Today, you just heard a eight minute rant on rules and regulations and they're confusing. I'm sitting down today with Buck Strutton Outdoors, uh, guys from Missouri. 
um, that I have come across on on Instagram, and that's how most of my guests I get on here. I'm uh, watching these guys on Instagram, and you know, just seeing you know a little bit of who they are. Got the chance to sit down and Facetime Nick, one of the guys from Buck Strutton, for a little bit. Um, just a great group of guys, and uh, I'm here with Nick and Dustin Rector um, from Buck Strutton. So, guys, go ahead, uh, take take turns introducing yourself. Tell a little bit about yourselves, and then uh, one of you all tell the people a little bit about Buck Strutton and how it came to be. You go ahead, Buck. All right. Well, my name's Dustin Rector. I've lived in southwest Missouri from Ozark, Missouri. I've lived here all my life. Got into hunting super early age. I mean, I started in, as far as my hunting career goes, I've hunted a lot of small game quail rabbits a lot of old school stuff never really got too far off into deer hunting until a little later on until i was about in high school and then as far as turkey hunting goes i got started in that just a few years before that and ever since i was started in it that's kind of what i branched off and took off with and through that worked with nick and Nick had the same drive, same care, same love for the outdoors I did. And then me and him took off and we started bucking, strutting outdoors and now we're off with it. Yeah. That's, you know, same thing. I'm, I'm Nick. Uh, I actually, I grew up in Michigan, the, the Southwest part in Battle Creek, which is known for Kellogg's cereal. There we go. Yeah. And I, I actually do not come from a single Bit of I have no hunting background whatsoever, and yeah, I I was in the Marines, and I remember sitting in the Middle East, and I was like, when I get home and I get out of here, I'm I'm gonna pick up a bow and I'm gonna start, I'm gonna learn, <laughs> I'm gonna do it, and it, yeah, it's it's a very humbling experience. Um, actually, I killed my first deer last year after five years of pushing hard on them and making Sweet. a lot of mistakes. Yeah, it's yeah. a learning. It's a learning process for sure. Yeah, it is. Last year was probably by far the most exciting deer season yet. You know, I mean, it, it's always a good feeling whenever you start putting the pieces of the puzzle together. It's like, oh yeah, this all makes sense now. Yeah, yeah. Now it works. <laughs> but yeah, I, I met Dustin and we kind of threw around the idea about coming up with something that we can kind of share our journey. And then it kind of exploded into, you know what? There's average guys out there who they they only have a set amount of time that they're able to go hunt. Yeah. You know, and if that's like if we can make it easier to throw out tips, tricks, what's going on, then yeah, let's do it. And even coming off with a story of what new hunters need to do to be able to be prepared and go in and try to kill their first animal, you know, like what, what, what do they yeah. need to do? Because it's, it's a daunting thing, especially with hunter numbers down. Yeah. But I think a lot of people want to get into it, but they just don't know how. Yeah. And I, I was very fortunate to have people who can kind of show me the ropes and get into it and what to look for, but there's still a lot of self learning that you have to do. Mm-hmm. for that and i think that's where, where buck and strutting outdoors came into play it's like oh yeah let's let's create something for the average joe that we can start eventually rolling out our own podcast rolling out our own content and yeah let's give it to these guys so that they can have a place to come and see all of our failures and maybe learn something from that yeah 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 see the biggest thing now is we're like living in the information age yeah so you have so like, it's um, so amazing how much information you can get from one Google search or one podcast episode or, you know, whatever it may be. But there's also like the downside where there's so much information that, you know, some of, some of it's not always the best information. You know what I'm saying? And I hate to look at it from that negative standpoint, but like, especially now, like you said, where the hunter numbers are so down, um, there's a group I, I, I put, I'm going to put this into groups of people. There is a group of people that I'm trying to say this without sounding like 
a jerk <laughs> or or negative Nancy. But like I think that there's a responsibility to the group of people who want to give information such as yourselves, such as myself, that we give out the best information that we can give. You know what I'm saying? That Absolutely. we're not just kind of like flapping in the wind and just kind of throwing us uh throwing a spitball in the air and hoping, you know, that it hits. You know what I'm saying? Um and you know I I do believe that there does need to be more people like you guys that want to do that kind of thing because like there's a few people that I follow on Instagram and that just recently got into bow hunting and they had no hunting background at all. Um, and I, I, I didn't think that they were going to put out crazy, awesome content. You know what I'm saying? Uh, even though they just got into bow hunting and you know, this, I didn't, I wasn't expecting anything from them to put out cool content for me to be like, Oh, that's cool. Or, you know, learn from, I was just, just, I simply followed them and, and wanted to follow them because I've enjoyed watching them grow as hunters, not just bow hunters, but as hunters in general. Yeah. Um, and, you know, giving, <clears throat> I'm, I, by no means am, do, am I an expert at anything. Deer hunting for me is a constant learning process. I have no, I have hardly any Turkey experience at all, you know? Um, but, when it comes to certain things like, you know, I, but I just, I spend a lot of time and effort into my bow hunting. You know what I'm saying? So I, I know, I know a minuscule and whenever I see somebody who wants to join or who wants to become a hunter, I hop on it quick as possible because, you know, I, I get excited for other people to be able to experience the same experience that we do as hunters, you know, as a bow hunter, um, and I want them to be able to learn and, 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 and enjoy it. Um, but, you know, and the reason why I do that is because I do know that there's also a group of people who don't like to see success of others. Yeah. You know, they, you know, and Nick, uh, me and you kind of talked about this the first time we talked. Um, <clears throat> you know, when I started the podcast, I had a few people that were, you know, quote unquote friends who don't talk to me anymore, you know, and it was just kind of like, they've separated themselves because, you know, whatever their thing is, but I've noticed that, you know, when you start, that's at all. I just, I'm just, I don't consider this to be a successful anything, but when you start to do things that other people are afraid of, you're going to start to see people separate themselves because they were afraid to do it themselves. Yeah, I know. You know what I'm saying? And we're kind of getting off on a second (laughs) tangent there, but you know, back to what you were saying, you know, you guys, you know, for the average Joe, for the average guy who's got to work 40, close to 50 hours a week, you know, and, and gets a limited time to hunt, you want to be able to create a space or just create an outlet more, not really a space uh, that's open to all hunters and, and putting out good information, stuff like that. And that right there is, you know, a big reason why, you know, I wanted to get you guys on here after me and Nick to talk. Cause it was just, I loved it. I loved the idea. I love the fact that Nick, you only started hunting a few years ago. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, that, that right there, like that should want, that should want to inspire other people who maybe haven't hunted or haven't hunted since they were young. You know what I'm saying? It's like with, with family or something like that to get into hunting. And, uh, that right there, I love, I love everything about that. So, you know, good on you guys and, and, um, what, where do you see, you know, where do you see this? What is your, let, go ahead and tell me your mission. Like, I know you kind of explained it just a little bit just now, but kind of tell me your mission for Buck and Strutton, um, as a whole. Like, I know you guys, you, you all said you wanted to put out a podcast and stuff like that, but you know, when you do put out your podcast or when you do put out, you know, informational videos or whatever, what, tell me what your mission is and what you'd really like to be i guess known for in a sense (laughs) i think that what we what the end goal here is is you know i kind of split i kind of go off on two ways on it the the first the end goal is is you know we want to be known as the guys that we push back in we go the distance like we push back in that mile or two miles or whatever it takes to get onto that big buck or to find deer sign i mean you know you know how it goes like you go maybe a few weeks without seeing nothing mm-hmm. and you have to call a hail mary and it's like all right yeah I'm, I'm, we're gonna go to a different area we're gonna we're gonna try to 
do something different here. Yeah. That might mean you're walking through the woods for an hour and a half to get to hopefully what could be the honey hole. Yeah. But I think that we want to be just known as the guys who can – we're going to push that distance to show that when you do put in the work, it always will provide some sort of success. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, you know, yeah, all right, you're not going to kill the biggest deer, but at least you're going to put some sort of meat in the freezer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, provide. And that, that's the other big thing here is that – it's not about like, yeah, everybody wants to kill that big whitetail, but make sure you take care of your family and you put some meat in the freezer to provide for yourself. Yeah. For, yeah. Um, Especially during times like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we got a pandemic going on. Coronavirus is, is taking over and you know, you got these chicks looking at their men questioning them skinny jeans now because they can't <laughs> go get, they can't go get Starbucks and, you know, and not that I'm gonna get skinny jeans, okay? I like my form fitting jeans just like any other whatever, but you know, but <laughs> but you know, you get into it, you know, and they're looking at it like, Can you start a fire? Can you put some you know, can you go kill something and make sure you know we're eating? You know, and, and yeah, and I don't think that there's really any a, a lot of people that are dealing with that kind of situation, but you know, there are I know there's people out there that are hurting enough to where they're like, Man, are, are we gonna go have to kill something? You know what I mean? Or <laughs> or maybe they are thankful enough because they did hunt. And they did fill the freezer that they don't, you know, they're not having to go and, you know, buy food anywhere or anything like that. So, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Dustin, what's your, what's your take on it? I feel like, I mean, <clears throat> as far as everything going on right now, yeah, it's a huge thing. There's memes galore <laughs> on social media yeah. amongst the honey community. It's like, now you wish you were a hunter, yeah. this, that, and the other. And, you know, I mean... I'm fortunate to have been brought in to a hunting family yeah. and have that background. Well, I mean, someone's always had something yeah. and there's always yeah. something in the freezer to come back to, but like thinking about it, like <laughs> reflecting back on, you know, just, I feel like our mission to tag along with what Nick was saying, I feel like we're trying to reinforce the idea that there's a negative cloud that's casted within the hunting community right now. And it's this cloud that, or this idea you have to go out, you have to kill 180 inch, 200 inch whitetail, or you have to go out and you have to kill four or five year old mature Tom gobblers. And, you know, I mean, there's this misconception people watch the outdoor channel or any other hunting channel yeah. or hunting channel. And the idea is just not realistic. Now, I'm not calling out those guys and saying that they don't know what they're doing because they obviously do yeah. for as much as they do it. But I just feel like that's one of the things for Buck and Strutting Outdoors is we're trying to put back this idea. The idea is to go out and have fun and have a good experience in the hunt. Yeah. But yet at the right. same time, if you're taking a 110-inch whitetail buck, mm -hmm. there's no shame in that. Yeah, no, no doubt. You put in... Yeah, if you've put in the time, you've put in the effort, and you've put in the work, yeah. there's no shame in going out. And it's all about what makes you happy, mm -hmm. what makes you satisfied, and fulfilling your goals. Big, big example of that. So last year, I hunted this piece of public for the first time. People have been telling me for years, and I've told this story. I don't think I've told it on the podcast yet. Or I think I did the last one, but I'm going to tell you. People told me for years, that piece of public's not even worth it. Haven't been deer on there for years, blah, blah, blah. So I went one time, walked around, and I I, I knew – I just looked at the top of maps. I was like, all right, I'm going to go here. I'm going to check it out. So it's over a mile in, okay? Over a mile walk in. I get to the spot. There's tracks everywhere, big buck tracks. I didn't run into a lot of other sign, but I found tracks, and that's what, that, that was good enough for me. So I leave, come back a couple days later. I get up in the tree. 30 minutes later, I shoot a buck. Thought I missed him, um, got down, went down there, and there's blood everywhere. And I'm like, what? No, I definitely missed him. You know what I'm saying? Another thing yeah. is my eyes are going bad. Well, they're not going bad. I just, I need glasses. And I thought this buck was bigger than what he was. I thought he was pushing 120s, maybe 125, and he wasn't, not even close. But, you know, it, I, so I was like, all right, well, there's blood everywhere. I better go get my stuff. So I got went and got my stuff. I call a few people. I'm like, I think I shot this buck. You know, 
there's blood, blood everywhere, you know, and I said, it might be a liver shot. Who knows? Right. So I didn't find my arrow and I'm following this blood. And I'm like, this blood is a lot. Like, you know, I didn't just hurt this deer. Like I, like, you know, he has to be like severely, like he has to be fatally shot. The, I end up walking up on this, this blood splatter. And I'm telling you, it looked like he just gushed out. Like it just poured out of him. I walk up on this. I end up going 10 more yards and he didn't, the buck didn't go 30 yards from where I shot him. So, <laughs> you know, and I mean, the, I'm in the thick of things. Like I'm back a mile in. I, I can't give too much detail because people who know me, I, I just, I, I get, I'm, I'm getting very, uh, I'll get very secretive on, on certain things, but it was just nasty back there. Okay. It was thick. I, there's no way I was just dragging him straight through the junk that I was in. And right. Anyway, so I'm looking this deer over, and I'm like, what? Like, he's not shot behind the liver, or he's not shot in the liver. He's not shot behind the shoulder. I walked to the back of him, and I shot him in the butt. Oh, the old Texas heart shot. No, no, wait. <laughs> not in the butthole. It didn't go, like, literally, I shot him in the right hand, and what it did was it went up his hand and hit that artery, that main femoral artery that comes off his back, and he bled out everywhere. Did not go 30 <laughs> yards. So I shot a deer in the butt and probably one of the most fatally, you know, literally the least track job I've ever had to do almost. Um, and it, I, but I mean, besides that, I look at the deer, the deer's maybe 105 inches and I'm literally jumping for joy. I'm about to piss myself. Like I am pumped up. <laughs> I'm like jacked up. Like I'm calling my mom, FaceTime my mom, calling my dad you know, calling my buddy and my buddy's FaceTime me on the recovery and he's jacked up and he's like, I thought you said he was 130. I was like, I don't give a crap. I can't see, you know, whatever, like, you know, j- pumped up. Um, you know, I, and I said, all, I told that story to tell you, this is like, I got absolutely jacked up for that deer. And it's because I put in the time I went and found the spot where the deer were, were living. I shot a buck within 30 minutes of being there. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, all these things, and it's because I put in the time, and I wasn't worried about what other people were saying. You know what I mean? And I wasn't worried about the deer being 130 inch or a Pope and Young or a mature five year old. Now I, and not that. And here's another thing: is that I think I want to kind of make this clear because even I can come off like that when I say, you know, oh, you just need to be happy for what you shoot or whatever. You know, I, I do believe that, but I'm also very competitive and very pushing the, pu- oh, yeah. pushing the limits by nature. Like, I am all about getting better and getting better. So when it comes to, like, listening to, like, you know, Dan Infall or the hunting public and they're talking about getting on mature bucks, like, you know, they're not always talking about 140 or 50 or 60-inch deer. They're talking about the deer that have been living through years of surviving they're the hardest to kill, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But they're also talking about, you know, just they're, they're giving you this information. And if that deer was 150 inches, I'd have been, I guarantee you I'd have had the same exact reaction as I did if he's, if, you know, as, as he was now as 105, you know what I'm saying? And so I, I do say that to say, yes, I want to be, I'm going to be kill what makes me happy. If it get, I always tell everybody, if it makes my pee hot, I'm shooting it. If it gets my heart, yep. <laughs> I tell like I'm, and people look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, I'm not joking. My wife hates it. She's like, Oh my God, I can't believe you say that. And I'm like, look, if, if it gets my pee hot and my heart's about to come out of my chest, carbon is flying. I don't care. Like <laughs> something is going to get shot at, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, and I just think as time goes on, I, I do want to be able to go, okay, I want to kill a mature class whitetail this year, you know, and I want to, track him down and find his bedding and, you know, use cameras and really try to get on a mature buck and outsmart this buck in his home. Like that, that right there to me, I get excited about. And that's my person. That's personal for me. Um, And like you said, you know, when you're looking at all these people and you've seen these people kind of like, Oh, why'd you shoot him? He ain't, you know, this or that, or, you know, you do need to be, you need to kill what makes you happy. And I think that's probably a big thing you know, going into, you know, I've talked about this so many times we can talk about it for hours, but, you know, going into, you know, kind of what makes hunters, I don't know, maybe what makes new people not want to hunt 
kind of puts him down because like, well, I'm not if I'm not gonna be able to kill that. What's the point? You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. That's that's my take on that. But sorry, I cut you all off. Oh, you're fine. Oh, you're good. But um, you know, back to well, you know, let's kind of hop on that for a second. Let's talk. Let's talk about hunter numbers and kind of like you know maybe some, maybe solutions. What you guys are from Missouri? What's your all's? Oh, what's the? It's like hunt per cat or hunt per hunter per capita or per whatever. Do you all have any idea of like is it rich hunting or is it kind of like a mix mixture or? I mean, for like <laughs> our area. In general, we're living a very high populace of hunters, yeah. or at least someone. If people don't hunt, I say "quote unquote" religiously, yeah. and I mean, go out, eat, sleep, and yeah. breathe it. There's, you can say just about every other house they go out opening weekend to rifle season yeah. here in Missouri. It's just that's <laughs> kind of a tradition in this part, in other parts of the state. I mean, things change drastically. You go from Ozark to Springfield, and you're going to one of the biggest cities in Missouri. There's not as many people that hunt that generally live to the north part or just, I don't know. I mean, what do you say about it, Nick? I, yeah, I would agree with that. I think that I I couldn't tell you what the the actual, like, what the actual quote is on it, but there are it's like a race around here is after rifle season, the deer are so on edge that (laughs) if you're going to get it done, you're racing against time before the opening day of rifle season. You're a bow hunter. And you know, while there are a lot of people that hunt in this area, we have people all the time through people we know or friends that they know saying, Hey, yeah, we'd like to, you know, come out and sit with you guys or learn a thing or two from you. We, we want to get into it, but we just want to see how it is. And it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, like we'll, we'll work you in as we, as the yeah. season progresses, you know? So I, I definitely would say that there still is a fair amount of people out here who they have nothing to do with hunting, yeah. but they want to do it. I mean, you got to think too, is we live, Springfield, Missouri is, I mean, that's Bass Pro's headquarters. So you got the hype of Bass Pro shops. You go in there and you see all this craziness. And so, I mean, people are going to, yeah, they want to do it until it's 90 degrees in the summer and you're trying to figure out where the deer are moving. The best tree for them too. Yeah, finding your your killing tree. What's not covered in poison ivy and ticks and... Trying to be yeah, speaking of ticks, I, yeah. I, me and Summer, my wife, just got a brand new bottle of permethrin that we're washing the clothes yeah. in right now because I do. They're, I don't know. Our our winter was terrible and they didn't kill. It didn't kill hardly anything. So there's still there was there was oh, ticks. No. I was dealing with a tick in January uh, over in Ohio. So you know, there's that. So yeah, we we have a bottle of permethrin in one of our trips yeah, at all times for sure. Yeah, it's. It's why, and that's I'm sure in West Virginia, you guys have a lot of snakes too, don't you? I'm gonna say yes. Thankfully, I haven't had many encounters, um, but in certain areas, um, like I know there's a big state park that's about 20 minutes from me that I know has snakes everywhere. <laughs> it's like copperheads, water mice, um, and whatnot. Rat, rat yeah, yeah, like rattlers mostly. Um, uh, well, actually, that's funny. I was cutting grass during the summer at my family's property, and I'm cutting this hillside, and I I run – well, I'm doing a flat top. I run over this tiny snake. I killed it, and I was like, okay, it's dead. I ain't got to worry about it. When I start weeding the hillside, I see something in the grass, and I'm just thinking, oh, it's you know, maybe a stick or something. Nope. It was a big old rattler coiled up, and, dude, I – I jumped about 20 feet. I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, nope. Uh-uh. And then I always think if you like, I've seen people like take the weed eater and like try to like push them off. But then I, I like freak out and I'm like, what if it like dodges the weed eater and then coils up on the weed eater and starts like going up towards you? I'm like, nah, it's not, yeah. I'm just not doing yeah. it. I'm good. 
yeah. I'm all right. I love the outdoors, but yeah. I'm not a I'm not a snake person at all. No. <laughs> Cause I mean, like around here for us, we've got you go to some marshy or river areas in the wrong yeah. time of the year, you gotta do oh, cotton yeah. mouths or water moccasins and then for the other remainder part, until it's cold, I mean we live in majoritively yeah. hardwoods. We have yeah. a plethora Jeez. of copperheads and starting to get a pretty good population of timber rattlers and i mean on top of that you go back to the ticks oh, yeah. we've got we've got the lone star tick and now you've got alpha yeah. gal the red meat disease oh my and... mom was freaking out about that dude oh man she like they live over they live about 30 minutes because like i live in the in the spot of west virginia where it's like southern but it's we call it the tri-state i can cross the bridge and go over to ohio or i can cross another bridge and go to kentucky so we're all pretty, it's just, you know, kind of border hopping real close right here. And, you know, my mom lives about 30 minutes away and she's like, we got the Lone Star tick. And I heard all about these, these ticks, they can give you the red meat allergy and they can live, they can be on deer and this, this and that. And oh man, it was like, yeah. like every single day. She's like, you need to be careful. You need to be careful. You need to be careful. I was like, look, it's like, there's only so much I can do. <laughs> but that, that's oh, scary yeah. though. Think about it. You can't eat deer anymore. You can't eat burgers. You get nothing. Like no red meat whatsoever. No. Which is like, to me, that's a sin. But you know, you know. That's... <laughs> I mean, you you want to talk about scared and freaked out? We went turkey hunting one day last season, and I went home, and I felt something, you know, real itchy on the back of my leg. And I looked down, and I seen a spot, and I was like, "There's a tick." And then I looked at it close, and it had a white oh, dot yeah. on its back. I've had a few of those on me. My too. life's over. I yep. know it. Yeah, like here it comes. No more meat for me, babe. <laughs> yeah. So first thing I did is pulled out a leftover burger from a couple nights before. <laughs> ate a couple of those and thought, I'm gonna find out real quick. We'll see if I choke me. up and die right here. We'll see right real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah. No, I've had a lot of like. Now I'm to the point now of like, if it ticks on me, I can feel it absolutely anywhere. Um, yeah. I get I get kind of freaked out though because there's sometimes like I had one last year that crawled up underneath my toe and it was there for at least two days, two or three days, and like <laughs> I literally like I was wondering why my foot was itching in the middle of the night and I like got up and I because it was like itching real bad. I was like, what is that? And I felt something. I was like, are you serious? Got up, looked at it, and it was it was a tick swell up. It had been sucking my blood for two or three days, and I was like, man, that's no. Nope. I hate, I hate finding them on my dogs too. <laughs> that irritates the crap out of me. Like I'll sit here, like if we go up to my parents' farm and I'll take my dogs and let them run around, they'll, there's, there's no doubt that it, both of them a piece will have at least seven or eight on them, you know, in the matter of 30, 45 minutes. And it drives me insane, but you know, ticks. So that, that's one thing I don't, I don't understand why it's here. Like, you know, I know God had a plan for, you know, a lot of the things he put on earth. That's what. That's one I would like to know. But one day I'm like, look, I'd like, I just like an answer on that. You know what I mean? I think the same thing <laughs> all the time. It's like, what's pur- what purpose does it really yeah. have other than something? Yeah. Like, God, you know, you're my homie, <laughs> and I trust you, but I don't. I don't understand. <laughs> you're gonna have to help me out, my guy. So, but um, or do you, does your all's turkey season open tomorrow? Yeah, y'all excited. Uh, do you all? You mainly use shotgun or? Yep. Yeah, yeah. During turkey season, we kind of switch over to the long gun. It's all right, peasants. I'll, I'll kill one with a bone. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. Um. So straight up, I've never killed a turkey in my whole life, and I've been like bow hunt, or hunting in general since I was like ten. And um. Uh. So recently, you know, I've always been big deer, uh, like always wanting to chase deer, and you know, always love it when bow season comes around. And then uh, I was like, you know what? Like, it's going to give me something to shoot in the springtime. So might as well try to, you know, and my uncles, I learned, you know, my uncles were hardcore back in the day, like before taking canoe access in and all that stuff that the hunting public does. And and everybody shows you now, you know, they were doing it back in the day and and spots, you know, and and the stories they could tell me, God, I love it. But, you know, um, so tomorrow I'm going to go, turkey hunt with my uncle me and my wife are and uh but we're taking our bows and dude you wouldn't believe the amount of like weird looks 
oh, you ain't going to kill nothing comments or everything that we get. Like, it's insane. Like, it's, it's, it's like, I'm like absolutely possible. I've, I've watched too many YouTube videos of people killing things with the bows that, you know what I'm saying? But like around here, I don't know. I think people just are so set in their ways or they think that anything, you know what I mean? They're just like, no, no, you need to go take a shotgun or you're not going to kill anything. Or if you, you don't sit in a blind, you ain't going to kill anything. That's one of my favorite comments, but whatever. No, <clears throat> you're not. Are you sitting nope. in the blind? Okay, I'll go ahead. I'll let Dustin. <laughs> we were actually talking about this yesterday. Go, Ali. Go ahead. I mean, I'm not putting anyone Uh-oh. down that sits in a blind, but like, just the way it's like how you said it. You know, people are really set in their ways, and the way I got taught to turkey hunt. Now, I've never turkey hunted with yeah. a bow. I would like to try it one of these days. I mean, I've got the setup to do it, but I suppose one day. But I think part of the reason a lot of these guys want to talk and say, oh, you're not going to kill nothing or do nothing. Well, they're a little too scared themselves to go out and actually try it because they don't want to screw up that moment that they get. Because you take something as smart as a turkey and you get the time. And I mean, you take the time and you call it in and you get it within 40 yards you don't want to blow that opportunity, no. so. Well, especially they got great eyesight like, as well, so you know, you got all these odds working against you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it's like we were joking around the other day about it and talking about you know the ground blind thing, and I know a lot of people that, in a sense, they do what some guys call it deer hunting for turkeys, and you just kind of sit up in an area and you're overlooking. A landscape and you're watching and you call every 20 minutes or 30 yeah. minutes and you're sitting in the ground blind and these aren't guys with bows these are guys with shotguns just sitting and waiting yeah. on them and it's, it's to me it's kind of silly because it's like you know you get on something like a turkey and you have a three-week season you got to push yeah. in you got to get out there you gotta see, you gotta hunt them and you gotta yeah, find i can't them. see the whole sitting and waiting thing i don't play that game if i if i figure mm-hmm. out you know, where a deer's at or a deer's bedded or, you know, which I haven't done it many times. I've done it a few. I'm getting in there and I'm pushing the limit. You know what I mean? Especially if I'm mm-hmm. crunched against time or, you know, I only get to hunt three hours in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I'm getting in there and I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to get it done. That whole sitting and waiting game. and oh, But it's kind of hurt me in a few situations. It really has. And, you know, I've... But... Yeah, the can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. Can't sit still too long. But <clears throat> yeah. So uh do you you so you all do or don't hunt out of a blind? We don't? do not. You heard it here here no, we, first, we, folks. You hunt out of a blind, you're not a real hunter. <clears throat> so <laughs> that's how it goes. Sorry. I mean no, we, don't we don't try to change it. Not, don't try to uh, change it now. You already said it. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, go ahead. Well, all we hunt is public land, yeah. so you know we're we. It's yeah, okay. The sun comes up at six thirty, but we're gonna be every other Tom, Dick, and Harry out there. Like we're gonna be up at three thirty, out the door by four. Yeah. That way we can get to that parking spot and get back in there before Absolutely. anybody else does. Absolutely, that's that's the way it goes. And by the end of the first week of turkey season, you're like, holy crap, this is gonna be a long time. Oh weeks. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. God, man, I had to, so there's a, speaking of getting into places early and first, there's a urban hunt that I partake in where I live in the next town over. And, uh, there's two good bucks where I've, I was trying to get into. And I noticed that other people figured out about these deer as well, which, I would be stupid to think that they wouldn't. And um, so the first morning I go and I show up, I show up, uh, I mean, not super late, but later than usual, probably about 10, 15 minutes. And there's a car there. I was like, okay. So I decided to go a different spot. The next day I go, I, I made sure I showed up 30, 45 minutes before first one there. And I was like, okay, great. So I'll go hunt that spot the next, not the next day, but the day after that, I go back and I am 
20 minutes early to the 30 minutes that I was there the other day. So I'm 50, I am now 50 <laughs> minutes early than what I was. And I, and I don't remember if I was just so pumped or if I was trying to get to a certain, to do a certain thing and it was going to take more time, but there were that same car was there before I was that day. And we, it felt like we were going back and forth. And then, and then finally I didn't know who it was because I didn't recognize the car. And one morning I was like, I was like, I'm going to figure out who that is. So I parked there and I go and I sit, I want to probably 200 yards away, but I could see where I had parked and <laughs> that car pulls up and it's one of my very good buddies and he, he pulls up and he realizes that it was me that he's been doing this back and forth and he calls me and I just start rolling and he could hear me like laughing in the stands and he was like, you SOB, you son of a gun. I didn't know who I was, you know. <laughs> And he was like, I knew somebody who knew what they were doing because they kept coming earlier and earlier, earlier and earlier. And I was like, oh, son, you got to get here first. <laughs> needless, needless to say, you know, there were many 4 a.m. times where I was already in the tree by 4 a.m. And he was, you know, so. But, yeah, I the the struggles of hunting public land of getting in there first and, you know, God, that's that's my life half the time is where I mostly hunt public land do you all mostly hunt public or, you know, is it, what's your all's, do you all hunt private or is it public or is it just a full on public thing or. It's all public land, man. We, yeah. We've, we've talked about trying to get access on private, but yeah. it's kind of the mission of what we're trying to go for. We're trying to just show people that you don't need private yeah. in order to go out and kill a deer, yeah. kill a turkey. It just takes, it ultimately it just takes dedication. Yeah. Let, let me let me stop you right there. I'm gonna stop you right there, and here's why: because I do not I I will not agree with anything more in this entire podcast than what you just said right there. Yeah, and it drives me absolutely crazy when I see these dudes out here and they're like, "Man, I just ain't got nowhere to hunt," and I and I just go this WMA and I just start listing like like five or six different WMA lands that are 45 minutes or closer. Yeah, and they and they just look at me and I'm just like. No excuses, dude. Sorry. Yeah. I was I like, I, if I'm out here grinding on public land, so can you. And I was like, it's dumb as somebody is, it's me. And I, you know, I just, I'm bullheaded on almost everything I do. I was like, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah. So, but or, I'm sorry, Dustin, I didn't mean to cut you off, buddy. Oh, you're good. I mean, I've, from like standpoint, I've hunted both. I've hunted yeah. private and I've hunted public. I started out on private. I mean, just as, I was very fortunate for yeah. my dad to know people that we could go to and Same. access their property or have other family members that yeah. got me into hunting and took me on pieces of private that they had. But I soon began to like, I had the idea that when you have private, you know, unless you're hunting on a very big parcel, most average parcels we have around here are 40 to 80 acres. And yeah. it almost gets to a point you feel trapped in it. Yeah. It it only goes so far, especially for if you're trying to hunt big bucks in specific, rather than just hunt deer in general, you know, you want a lot of room to work with. If you're trying to hunt turkeys, you want a lot of ground to work with. And I feel as if, you know, hunting public land, ever since I started hunting public land, it kind of gave me a new, it gave me a whole new respect because last year was my first season of hardcore public land for both deer and turkey turkey yeah. season for me last season i didn't i got one bird and i didn't shoot him until the last friday of season and yeah there was only two days left after that gave me a whole new respect whole new idea perspective of it yeah that you know if you put in your time you put in the work and you put in the effort you can get the job done on public land public okay. land can be better than private i've yeah. seen from deer hunting private versus public you know there's some pieces of private that are guarded with protected with someone's life yeah to an extent and yeah they're gonna have really big deer on those private parcels because not everyone can hunt it yeah but i've seen some private parcels compared to public i've seen bucks that are bigger on public land than yeah are on some private parcels yeah. so and it all just it, matters 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. I wasn't trying to. I, you're good. Like, with what Nick was saying, you know, it just all matters on the person <laughs> and the amount of dedication that you have. And For sure. Time you're willing to put in and try yeah. and get the job done. And I, it, it kind of goes, like, so, like, I, there's a lot of public public hunters that are, like, die, die hard. Me being one of them, very die hard. I love public land. I, you know, if, if it's out there, I want to see it. I want to explore it. I want to hunt it. Um, it. It's not that it's not that, you know, you always have to use different tactics for either or, or that one might be harder than the other, which in general terms, usually public land is a little bit harder to hunt because of the amount of pressure that it gets. Animals always react to the amount of pressure that they get or the, the lack thereof or, you know, vice versa. And, you know, when you're hunting a private piece that's on lock and doesn't let it, you know, one person hunts it and they're doing everything they can, to take care of this or that, you know, it might seem easier or it might look easier. You know what I'm saying? But deer and the animals are still animals. They're still going to, they're still going to sniff the air. They're still going to, you know, turkeys are still going to see you from forever away. You know what I'm saying? Like you still got to do the same stuff. Yeah. You know, and you might be able to get away with certain things you couldn't on, you know, other places. Um, And, you know, somebody had asked me this and they're like, well, why are you so, so much against private land like i'm not like i grew up hunting 80 acres and you know uh, 100 acres and all kinds of private land because of what's what my family owned and i was fortunate enough doing it you know but i said i i am a big advocate for public land because it's become a narrative that if you don't have this you can't do this you know what i'm saying so you know don't say and the bit you know and just to name a few and i'm naming these people because they're well known the hunting public they get it done almost every place they go. Dan Infault hunts majority. He hunts a majority amount of public land, gets it done a lot. You know what I'm saying? And he's, you know, they call him the big buck serial killer. And, you know, it's all, it's everybody thinks he just kills, kills, kills. But it's like he figures out and understands why a buck's doing what he's doing, why he's, you know, living where he's living. You know what I'm saying? It's, you still have to figure out what the animal's doing. You can't, you know, it's not always just tromping around and, you know, it, it, it might look like that to certain people, but it's not, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and, and to be honest with you, you know, I, I, I am a public land bow hunter. If somebody asks me what I am, that's what I tell them. Like I love public land and I love bow hunting. That's what I do. It's what I love to do, but I have nothing against if I see like a small piece of private that, you know, looks interesting or might not get hunted or, you know, might bee hunted but it's been it's very rare you know what i'm saying i i if it i like cool unique spots like i killed a 130 some inch deer uh in 2016 and um you know i killed it right off the highway you know what i'm saying so it was it, it was on private land but it was literally 20 yards from the highway so you know it's like i, I think that's kind of cool but you know, the big reason why I love, you know, doing um, public land is because, you know, the amount of exploration I get to do, you know, and like you said, Dustin, like y- there's so much, you know, you know, in public, you feel so free, you know, like you get to, I get to travel two miles back on this public and get to figure out that there's deer living back there that, you know, no one has seen and, you know, or however long, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like it's that, it's that kind of freedom and that I enjoy and getting away from society because people drive me absolutely insane. And, you know, and that's not a joke. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> you know, I, I worked in the service industry for three years and, you know, dealt with the public for a little bit longer than that. And I just thank God I have the job I have today because otherwise I could not, I could not deal with the public anymore. But yeah. So, you know, that's my kind of take on, 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 you know, my, thing private against public you know you know or another thing like it kind of goes you know uh, uh, hopping onto this before we move on uh like gun versus bow i'm not a gun hunter i love guns i have i'm not gonna say it because if the government listens but i have a few (laughs) guns um you know what i'm saying and uh but i don't i just i prefer hunting game with a bow it's I, i love having my bow i'm an archery hunter it's just what i love doing yeah um, some people are like, well, why are you so against guns? I'm like, I'm not, it's just my preferred weapon. I like using a bow. 
But, you know, if my uncle who comes to me and I never got to hunt with him or I haven't got to hunt with him in a long time goes, hey, would you like to muzzleload hunt with me? I'm not going to look at him and go, no, you fathead. I don't want to use a gun. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to be like, yeah, dude, like, let's get, you know, let me use one of your muzzleloaders. I don't have one. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's a big thing for me as well. And I, I, I've realized how I have to come across a certain way because sometimes I can be like, I ain't using that. You know what I mean? It comes off of me as a douchebag, and I hate doing that. So, and again, that doesn't help hunter numbers either. So, it, and a big thing, like you said, going back to the beginning with low hunter numbers, you know, if somebody doesn't really want to use a bow, but they want to use a gun, I'm not going to be like, oh, well, I can't help you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, heck yeah, dude, I'll go out with you during gun season. I don't have very much orange, but I'll come <laughs> help you. You know what I'm saying? So, <clears throat> that's that's my take on it. I don't know. I don't know uh, if you guys have anything to add to that or I'm I'm not a big I'm not a big gun hunter man. I, I don't like going out there with a bunch of people I don't know who have firearm places <laughs> where I, I don't even know where they're at. Well, you mean you don't like hearing World War Three go off during gun no, season? No, that's that makes my heart sad. Oh man, darn, <laughs> dude! I'm telling you right now, it's bad here. It's bad here. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy that we have a gun season because I enjoy that people are out there hunting. But when it sounds like, you know, you're in the in the streets of freaking Kandahar or whatever, you know what I'm saying, or wherever people are, Afghanistan, and it sounds like you're literally having a war over there, then there's there's a little bit of a problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it sounds like you just emptied a 30-round magazine, you might either need to learn how to shoot or <laughs> you're killing more than you should yeah. be. Yeah, that- <laughs> archery is always archery has probably been one of the biggest challenges that I've ever I've stepped into. You know, like if you yeah. want to bow hunt, you don't just pick a bow up and go out to the woods. Like nope. you've got to spend so much time practicing, putting yourself in different scenarios. You know, shooting at yeah. at last light in your backyard. You know, I mean, yeah. like with you know, archery, it's essentially, I, it is an art form. It's absolutely, I'm not making, trying to make too rash comparisons or anything, but you know, a guy that's really good and efficient shooting a bow is about just like the guy that's really efficient and really good and very accurate with a rifle, like a yeah. sniper. I mean, you study yeah, your absolutely. arrow, you study your, you know, your weight, your grains, everything to the yeah. very until you just dot your T, well, cross your T's and dot your I's, the full nine yards, all the details into it. There's yeah, a absolutely. huge amount of detail that goes into shooting a bow. And to be efficient enough yeah. to hunt and successfully harvest something with it, that's a huge feat in itself right there. Yeah. And I think it kind of irritates me because you, you get these guys who are like <laughs> – I see about 25 deer a night. It ain't nothing to shoot one of them. You know, I'd kill any of them, which, okay, that's great. But, you know, and it might look that way, but at the end of the day, you know, having having your sight perfect and having – and I say perfect because, to me, I want to be able to hit exactly where yeah. I'm aiming. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm very much the guy that goes, okay, if I hit in this circle, that's a dead deer. But – you know, I, I, I want to hit where I'm aiming, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I and I want to have the utmost confidence in my, in my tool that I'm using in the gear that I'm using. And I, and I, it kind of bothers me when people don't take it as serious as that, because it is still, you are taking a life, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And I feel like having that kind of mindset of going, Oh, it ain't nothing, you know, is reckless and a slippery slope within itself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you might, it might not have caught up with you yet, but it's going to catch up with you and it's going to hurt. You know what I mean? Um, I, you know, my, my wife, when she shot her first doe, we thought we lost it, you know, on the track job. And, you know, it kind of bothered me, but she, I mean, we ended up finding it and she understood. She made a great shot. First of all, it was a great shot. The, the deer is just resilient. It's all, all crap. You know, yeah. it, was, it was a tough, tough deer, but you know, she understood the lows and then the highs, you know, real quick immediately. And then she looked at me and was like, I completely understand why you put as much time as you do and why you told me to, you know, practice, practice, practice. And, you know, and it paid off for her. it did. So, 
you know, I, I agree, you know, art and art form, it is an art form. And, and maybe that's why, and it's, it's a challenge and not that gun hunting isn't a challenge, but, you know, to get onto the, to get to like maybe the, the deep side of things, if you will, um, you know, bow hunting for me, it's helped me, it helps me mentally. Somebody who deals with, you know, I'm not going to act like I've had the worst life, but somebody who's de- who deals with depression and, you know, who, who deals with things. Bow hunting to me is, 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 I guess you could say Zen or, you know, kind of a peaceful thing. You know, when I'm out in the woods, you know, if I'm in a stand or a saddle or whatever, I'm there and like, I don't hear cars. I don't hear, you know, my phone isn't going crazy. No one's bothering me. And I'm just literally, I'm sitting in God's creation. It's awesome. You know what I mean? And so it's for me, it's a, it's, it's, I don't want to get too deep because I, I, I sit on both sides of the fence. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm very much like, okay, keep it simple, stupid, yep. hit that, hit that dot. You killed the, you killed the animal. But then I'm also on the other thing is I took a life. I honored that animal. You know, I love it. I, or excuse me. I love it. I love the, the, um, the hunt. I love the journey and I love everything that it brings me, you know, uh, not just the meat that's provided, you know, and it's not just about the kill. And uh, I try to do a healthy balance between the two, especially when I'm sharing with people, because, you know, I don't I don't expect I don't know how much you all know about Cameron Haynes, but I don't expect everyone to have the same uh, feeling as as deep a feeling of honor towards the animal as he does, because he's very he's very big on that, you know, Um, so. You know, I try to have a healthy balance, especially when it comes to tell, talking to people about it. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, like Dustin or not Dustin, excuse me, Nick, with you being in the military and stuff, I don't know, you know, if you had to deal with anything, you know, with combat or anything such as that. But, you know, how many guys, if you did, even if it wasn't you or if it was, do you think that bow hunting would, would have would have helped maybe – with dealing with the thing like the after effects of coming back from combat or anything like that. I know actually, I know a lot of guys that have gotten into archery as a whole from separating from uh, their time on active duty. And some of them, they don't hunt. They just, they have a bow and they shoot it. And that's their, like you said, that's their Zen. That's their, yeah, that's their place that they go to and they can de-stress and be outside and enjoy every minute of it. You know, and I, I, hunting for me, the Marine Corps gave me a purpose and I I could stand behind that purpose. And I I was in the infantry. So it's like, it's pretty cut and clear. Like you, you go out and you, I was a machine gunner. You shoot big guns for a living and you know, like you're prepared to do whatever you got to do, but for sure, archery and bow hunting, it's huge, you know, and that I got out, I needed something to fill a void that I, I was missing and that brought the competition that brought the camaraderie, you know? Yeah. There's nothing better than after a hunt or meeting up with your friends and whether you're just grilling out or just telling stories or what you, what you saw. And that, that's what it's all about. Yeah, for sure. Getting, getting everybody together. And, you know, you hear about these like total archery challenges. You don't have to travel halfway across the United States to do those things. Yeah, you know, for invite sure. Invite five of your friends over and have a competition. Yeah. You know, I... <laughs> Some of my friends get tired of having competition with me because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a kind of in your face about competition. I'm trash talk makes me better. My friends, <laughs> my my wife has learned. My wife was an excellent basketball player in high school. Excellent. Like, got offers to go places, and, uh the first time that we had, I played like actual pickup with like, you know, a bunch of guys at a gym or whatever, you know, I said, Hey guys, I'm bringing my wife. And they didn't know that she was good. They're just like, Oh, okay. You know? (laughs) So, you know, we played one game and I set out the first game and she played the first and then everybody was like, yo, she's on our team. You know, like we want her on our team. And so, you know, that's fine. We play on opposite teams and, you know, my wife, tries to start trash talking me and I'm like, you don't want to do that. She's like, Oh, what are you going to do? Get good or something. And I just, you know, and I'm not bragging, but you know, I didn't miss after that <laughs> the rest of the night, but um, 
and and it's funny because she knows every time I bring it up, she knows exactly what I'm talking about because that's when she she kind of like realized, you know, she knew. All right, you know, my my husband's competitive, but my husband's really competitive. You know what I mean? Because I'll look back at you and like, it's not okay. Seth's no longer looking at you. It's it's now like, you know, Seth's competitive side is looking at you and is ready to go. You know. Yeah. Um. So, but no, I agree. With you. That's kind of off thing, but I agree with you. Like you don't have to travel and spend, you know, some X amount of dollars to go to a total archer challenge. Invite your friends over, you know what I mean? And, and have, you know, obviously you can't do that now because you got to practice social right. distancing, but you know, whatever that is. Well, um, we do, we live, man, <laughs> you know, we live in a time of social media. Like I'm, yeah. all I'm saying is maybe this fall we get our own little public land challenge going. Listen, all I'm saying is if you want that smoke, you can just ask for it. <laughs> no, but yeah, man, like for sure, like I do agree. Like, you know, uh, and, and that's one thing kind of I'm going to go back on this uh, dealing with like veterans and stuff. I do eventually I don't know about now. I just have to always have these ideas that I can never put into use, but something to like, you know, guys coming out of the military, getting them into some kind of outlet, you know, with a bow, you know, or if they want to use a gun, whatever, but kind of giving them something to be like, you know, when I have a stressful day or my mind's, you know, kind of going dark or whatever, I can go out back or whatever. I can go over to wherever and shoot, you know what I mean? And that's, I, that's, I think that's a big reason why I love archery so much is because I think it can do, within itself it can do so much for so many for so many people i really do and that's one of my goals is to like kind of when people say well why do you choose bow hunting is to be able to be like you know what there was times where in my head i was kind of going to a dark place and it was just what i was dealing with but when i went and shot my bow i was only focused on pulling my bow back and releasing an arrow you know what i mean and and being able to enjoy that time in that moment but Again, getting deep, getting deep with the bow. But, uh, guys, listen, I had such an amazing conversation with you all. We are definitely going to have to do another podcast soon, especially uh, if you all want to do a public land challenge. We are going to have to get that set up because now you both got my phone number. Yeah. Or Nick does. You can you can transfer it over, and we can get a smack talk of group message going, and uh, uh, we can get that we can get that on rolling real quick. But um, go ahead, tell everybody. Um, where they can find you on all social media platforms um, and kind of maybe a little bit of what you're about to, what your plans are for the future. And uh, just so everybody can find you and whatnot. Yeah. You guys, you guys can find us at on Instagram at Buck and Strutting Outdoors and on Facebook at Buck and Strutting Outdoors. Be on the lookout for a podcast called the buck and strutting podcast that our goal is to try to get that released by may or june awesome may or june uh it's hopefully sooner than later right yeah uh absolutely and that's another thing i'm going to do a little plug for anchor right here if you all want to start a podcast uh buck and strutting or whoever is listening anchor app is the best way to do that it is so user-friendly and if you need help or anything, please contact me on Instagram or whatever. And please ask and ask away and I will help you as best as possible. Guys, thank you so much for the conversation. It was great talking to you and we will talk soon, man. Cool. Thanks for having us, man. Thank right. you. You all have a good day. You do the same. You too.